Hello, Heritage Church. My name is Todd Gentry. Travis asked me if I could speak today. I know that you're all thinking about him and Laura as they've been sick, but I wanted to share a few things with you today. I go way back with Travis since he was a little boy. Uh, I'll never forget uh, the baptism of Travis and his sister and his dad as they came to know who the Lord was. In fact, when Travis was little, uh, he used to come up to the church after school as soon as he could. There may be some stories there about him even uh, driving and taking a car when he wasn't even old enough yet. But uh, just think a lot of Travis and Laura uh, was able to be part of, of their wedding. They have, they're a great couple and their family, and I hope that you'll always cherish them and want you to know how dear they are to my heart. So I want to share with you today about hanging on in the storm. And I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I hope that the message that God has for you today will make a difference, particularly for a new church. And as you're trying to hang on uh, in the midst of this pandemic and all kinds of other things that are going on. Let me tell you about one of my earliest memories. I was four years old. We'd gone to visit my uncle, and he he had left Houston. He'd moved to Austin. He was working on his master's. Uh, they lived in an apartment complex. They had a swim pool. We'd driven down uh, to see them, and so we were there, and my uncle and aunt wanted to show us the swim pool, and so we went out there, and all these people were swimming, and I saw that they could swim, and being four years old, I just jumped right in. The next thing I remember was waking up with water coming out of me. That created a terrible fear of water for me. In fact, I still have a little bit of that fear today, you know, thinking I could swim. When I was five, there was another near drowning experience in my grandfather's lake. And so there's, there was just this built-in fear inside of me about how to overcome this and, and how, do I, how do I get through this. My dad decided that since I'd had these two near misses, they wanted to teach me how to swim. He used to tease me and say the hardest part of me learning how to swim was getting out of the bag that he put me in and tied me and threw me in the water. But that wasn't the case. How my dad taught me to swim at first was to help me kind of overcome this fear of water. And so my dad would stand inside the pool and I would be on, on the top of it or whatever body of water and he would say, jump to me. And so I would jump to him and I would reluctantly and he'd always catch me and then he'd say okay this time you're going to get a little wet and then the next time you're going to go all the way into the water but he said I'm always going to hold you and eventually I learned how to swim water's not my favorite there's still some anxiety because of those events and because of those early memories but because I could hold on to my dad it helped me to make it there was this idea of hope that he was going to catch me and I hope that today, as we begin to talk about this idea of hanging on the storm, that no matter what you're going through, or no matter what you're about ready to go through, no matter what you're in, you'll have this sense that God can catch you and hold on to you. When my children were young, all of them had something that they had to have for comfort as they went to sleep. I, when I was a child, I had a little stuffed dog and had kind of these velvet ears. And so when I went to sleep, I used to hold on to it. As long as it was there, I could fall asleep. I would say that probably most of you had something that helped you that, that maybe you actually held on to. We had a son that couldn't go to sleep without a slick blanket because he had to hold on to that and just hold on to it tight and it gave him comfort. Or maybe it was just a nightlight. But all of us at times have turned to something because it gave us comfort. I want you to even think about a few biblical characters. I think Noah held on to the promise that God was going to save him from the flood. Even though it was like a hundred years of building the ark, he held on to that promise and all of the ridicule and everything, he held on to it so that when the storm came, he knew it was safe because God kept his promise. 
I think that Moses held on to his staff. It's amazing that the staff even became kind of a show for him a couple of times, that he could hang on to that and knew that God was with him. And so every place he went, he had that staff with him. I think that David probably held on to his song, although it may have been many. David wrote all these songs for us, but these hold on to him. And it says David's a man after God's own heart as he's hanging on and as he always has a song to think about who the Lord is. There's no question that Jesus held on to his father. It was those promises that helped him to overcome and and to realize that in death he could face that. In fact, his only anguish was when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That I need where's God? And then in Stephen Stoney, he holds on to heaven. He looks up and he sees Jesus there and he he knows he's going to be okay even though he's going to die. Today we want to talk about hanging on to the storm. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 27. Here's a story about Paul. Paul's pleaded to go to Rome. And so he begins to make that journey, and it's several boats, and he kind of island hops for a while. But finally they get to a place, and they say, Paul's going to sail for Rome. And Julius, who is a centurion, he's in the imperial regiment, is put in charge of Paul. And so... He thinks they can go just one more time, even though it's really late in the sailing season. And Paul says, if you go, God will keep me safe, but you will lose the cargo and the boat, and it's going to be perilous for us. But Julius doesn't listen to God's word from Paul. In fact, he talks to the pilot, and the pilot says it's going to be okay. And there's a few others that say, no, no, we're going to be okay. And Paul says, but it's the wrong time. Reminds me of the song by Gordon Lightfoot. uh, When the storms of November come early, you know, the wreck of the Edmunds Fitzgerald. Too late to sail. But I will just tell you, the first thing I think we've got to do in the midst of the storm is listen to God. A lot of the storms in my life are because of my own doing. But periodically, the storms in my life are not because of my own doing. But here's what I know. No matter what the reason for the storm We've got to listen to God in the midst of racial rights, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of joblessness or whatever you're going through or relationships, you've got to listen to God. Because if you don't, the storm's going to be worse and it's going to be perilous or dangerous for so many. So when we get into the idea of following God, the storm finally gets here in uh, verse 13. In fact, there's this whole idea of uh, can, can we overcome it and can we make it? And so they do the best they can to try to make it. But it says the winds are like hurricane force and they're trying everything. They throw things overboard. They tie ropes underneath the ship. They, uh, they try to do whatever they can to hold it together. In fact, whether it's throwing off cargo or, or whatever, uh, it seems like there's no way to make it. In fact, in verse 20, when they get there, there's this whole idea of there's no more light. And it says that they give up hope that they'll ever be saved. And they haven't eaten. So I want you to look. I want to read with you for a few minutes from Acts chapter 27. And I'm going to read from the New Century Version. It's my favorite. Uh, Maybe it's because I work with college students. But as we kind of look at this text in the midst of this storm, I think there's a couple things that we need to see. Listen in verse 21 and through 26 and following. Realize that uh, Paul wants them to know that everything can be lost, 
really he's kind of saying that that's just stuff. Our life will be okay. Listen to this. After the men had gone without food for a long time, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. You should not have sailed for Crete. Then you would have had not all this trouble and loss. But I tell you to cheer up, because none of you will die. Only the ship will be lost. Last night an angel of the Lord came to me. I belong, it's the God that I worship. And the angel said, Paul, don't be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. And God has promised you that he will save you and everyone sailing with you. So men, take courage. I trust in this God and everything will happen the way that the angel told me. But we will crash on the island. I think kind of the second point is, in the midst of the storm, you have to have courage. Do you believe that God can take care of you? Do you believe that maybe God's not going to calm the storm, but he has the ability to give you peace in the midst of the storm? Do you believe that somehow he'll help you through this? Do you believe the promise that Jesus said is, I will be with you always? You see, Paul trusted God. And he knew all this stuff would be lost. Probably his belongings too. But he knew that somehow God would be with him and he would be saved. And this part of the story is kind of interesting because some of the men try to escape and Paul says, no, you, you've got to stay together. Uh, some of the men want to kill the prisoners because if the prisoners escape, then they will find execution too. And Paul says, no, no, don't do that. And Julius wants to save Paul. So the idea is, is, okay, can we make this? Can we overcome? Can, can we get through this? And Paul is constantly saying, trust God, trust God, trust God. And the other 200 and something people on the boat are saying, can we trust God? I don't know if we can trust God. That's your relationship with God, not mine. And there's this constant doubt about, okay, we should have listened to God. We should have listened to you. You told us to have courage. We did. We ate some food. But now it looks like this thing is not going to turn out well. I think all of us have been there. Then we've wondered, where I am, will this turn out well? Can I get through this? Can I overcome? But it's not the end of the story. In fact, Paul begins to persuade them, it's okay, guys. Just continue to trust. Just hang on. So finally, we get down to this next part of, really the last part of the text that I want to share with you, is when the ship is going to be destroyed, and what Paul says. So let's pick up in verse 39 and following. When daylight finally came, the sailors saw a little bit of land. They didn't know what land it was, but they saw a bay where there was a beach, and they wanted to sail to that beach and try to get on it. So they cut loose the ropes to all the anchors, and they left the anchors in the sea. And at the same time, they untied all the ropes that were holding the rudders and everything together. They were that were raised from the sails in the wind, and they tried to sail towards the beach. But the ship hit a sandbar, and the front of the ship sank into it so that it couldn't move. And the back of the ship began to break up from the big, huge waves. Now listen. The soldiers decided to kill the prisoners, but none of them could swim, or so none of them could swim and escape. But Julius, the officer in charge of Paul, wanted to let Paul live, and he didn't allow the soldiers to kill the prisoners. Instead, he gave these orders to everyone. If you can swim, jump into the water first and swim to the land. 
Next point. If you can swim, do it. Some of you missed the storm and it's not that big a deal for you. Maybe you've navigated something like it. Maybe you've been through worse stuff. And the whole idea is, if you can swim, do it. If you can navigate in the, the storm that you're in, go ahead and do it. It's okay. In fact, Paul says God's going to be with us. Nobody's going to perish. Some of you, this is one of the darkest places you've ever been. But some of you, it's not. And he says, it's okay. If, you're, if you can do it, go. Go for it. Go swim. You're going to be okay. And so for those of you that can swim, it's all right. When I was four, I couldn't swim. I needed somebody to help me. But when I was six, I could swim. I can still swim. And sometimes in the midst of the storm, I can swim. But listen to the last text that may hit us the hardest. The rest of you are to follow using whatever wooden boards or pieces of the ship. And this is how all people will make it safely to land. And they did. You see, he says, for some of you, um, you don't know how to swim. You don't know how to navigate through this. It looks so dark. It looks like you can't get hold of it. He says, it's all right. Hold on a piece of the breaking ship. Hold on to something. Just grab a hold and hold on to something. It reminds me of uh, when Paul writes 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, when he's talking about you know testing and everything going on. He says, hold on to what is good and reject what is evil. When you were a child... You held on, I held on to my stuffed uh, dog. I knew that brought me safety. When I was learning to swim, I held on to my dad. I knew that brought me safety. In the midst of my storm, if I can't swim, I hold on to the ship that's breaking apart because my God has promised that he's going to help me through it. See, somehow, no matter where you are, God says, I will be with you. Jesus says, Take heart. I've already overcome the world. I don't know what your response to this text is going to be. I hope that you'll listen to what God said. I hope that you'll take courage in the midst of where you are. I hope that you'll swim if you can. But if you can't, hold on. Hold on. Because the end of the text says, and everyone made it safely. 200 and something people that should have died, God took care of. Does that mean God answers all our prayers? No. But it means that God will be with you. It reminds me, uh, several years ago, one of our elders' wives, Dorothy, got diagnosed with ALS. They told her it wouldn't be long, and it wasn't. And Dorothy said, you know, I'm not really afraid of dying, but I'm sure afraid of the unknown. And I don't know what it's all going to look like. We sat around Dorothy's bed. We sang songs and we prayed as we watched her slowly take her last few breaths. There was some family. There was a lot of church family. And I talked to her about holding on, and so she held on to her husband's hand. And I said, eventually, when you're ready, you can take the Lord's hand and slowly let go of your husband's hand. She held on for a while, not too tight, just to let him know that she was there. And eventually she took her last breath, and I believed that at that point, as she let go of her husband's hand, there was no question that she was in the hands of our Lord. God doesn't always promise that things are going to work out the way that you want. But he does promise to be there where you are. He does promise to hold you. Why don't you hold on to him?
Your Savior waits with open arms and says, I'll catch you. I'll help you in the storm. Doesn't mean the storm's going to pass quickly or easily. And it doesn't mean that everything may go away or be back to normal. But it does mean in the midst of where you are, you have a Savior. And your Savior says, hold on. I've got this.